0: Ooh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Slim Society show. My name is Connor Rhodes from SlimSociety.co.uk, your personal nutritionist and host of the show. Today, I am going to be talking to literally a world-class personal trainer, such as the company I keep, and also a very long-time friend of mine, since we've known each other since we were about flipping 13, since actual school. Today I am talking to personal trainer Liam Howells. Liam, how are you today, sir?
1: Hello, how are you doing?
0: Yes, I'm great. I'm really excited and happy to be speaking to you today, sir. I have done too many podcasts so far for you to have not been one of them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you. I appreciate your time because you are a busy man. I thought at first you could just give us a quick rundown of your credentials for a second, because you've been a personal trainer for how long? Well, a long, long time?
1: time. I was a personal trainer before I was even personal training. Um, so, I don't know, a good 10 years, I would say, qualified 10 a personal years trainer. And then probably coming up to seven years full-time doing the job. Um, that, and
0: that's that's a super important credential, in my opinion, because you're an actual practical trainer. You're actually boots on the ground, helping people get good results on on literally a day to day basis, every single flipping day for years and years and years.
1: Well, I, uh, I certainly try, and uh, I've also got a bachelor's degree in sports coaching. Um, I have a sort of level seven qualification in. Performance nutrition through the IOPN, and I've almost finished a master's in spot and exercise nutrition.
0: Basically, you're a fancy bastard, aren't you, sir? <laughs> I,
1: I, I just like the letters after my name, Connor. That's all it is. That's all I'm you're just co- are you
0: collecting letters. Is that what's going on?
1: Yeah, I'm hoping at some point they will no longer fit on my business card. if it's a wraparound you have to give people a (laughs) tubular card (laughs) either that or like an a4 piece of paper
0: that would be hilarious you'd you'd get less clients because people would think you're an (laughs) if
1: you you just (laughs) they they already do and it's already working
0: (laughs) you also teach personal trainers now as well don't you um you you actually Uh, coach pts
1: I do, I do, through a company called Envisage that you and I both uh, did our qualifications through, a very good company based in Sheffield, Um, that like I said, I I started my journey with probably 10 years ago, and I still do qualifications with, so that I can kind of jump in and help where I need to, Um, but yeah, and I know you did your qualifications through them as well.
0: They're a a flipping good company, man. Um, I... Most likely just happened across them at random because they were local. You know, just when I was looking for level three and level two and qualifications before I'd even started personal training, I most likely just happened across them at random. But I feel very, very, very lucky that I did because out of all the personal training sort of places that you could learn to P- to be a PT, it's a top level one, isn't it? And they they're nice people that actually care and they actually want to help people, which is, I think it's really good.
1: It's um, it really is. They, they really do care, and I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to sell it because I work for them, because I've worked for other companies as well that do the same thing, and they really do want you to do well. And they really are well educated people that are teaching the courses who actually care about what they're teaching, so it really is a good company to work for.
0: I agree. Um, and they still flipping follow me on social media and it's been it's been like i don't even know like you said more than 10 years i don't even know since i did that qualification or something coming up close and still occasionally i get a like exactly exactly from an envisaged person and i'm like oh that's nice still keep still keeping an eye i see what's going on (laughs) Just, just 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 watching in the distance
1: just peeking their head around the corner watching what you're doing
0: and I'm glad to see them still doing well because they deserve it. Literally, I'm glad to see them still doing well and I'm glad they've got somebody like you that's actually knowledgeable and cares and is in it for the right reasons, actually helping the the new people and the next generation of personal trainers come through because most personal trainers, they don't, they don't do well after they come out of the various qualifications that you can do, but quite a lot of envisaged people do, don't they?
1: Yeah, the problem with most personal training qualifications is they're not prepared for the real world. They've got Practical knowledge um, of insertion points and posture and they've got all this information in their head but they don't know actually how to apply it to a client whereas I think that's what we really do well is that we use science to practice. We don't just give you the information. We say, this is the information and this is how that would work in a real-life setting and I feel like that's why people who go through Envisage tend to do that a little bit better.
0: Mmm. That's good news. And you teach nutrition to the students, is that right? Or what do you actually teach there? What do you help people with?
1: Uh, My primary role there is to do the level three, the nutrition side of the level three personal training qualification. Um, But I'm also working on, alongside another guy, um, designing a level four qualification that goes a little bit more into depth on I guess, two sides, the health aspect of nutrition and then the performance side of nutrition if you are working alongside athletes and the sort of challenges that poses.
0: Very nice. Very, very nice, sir. Um, Today, I've come to pick your brains. I know that I've already (laughs) um, pre... I wouldn't say warned, (laughs) but (laughs) pre-informed. might might be a might be a better term pre-informed you of the topic at hand because I've come to ask you like I'm attempting to make a tradition and pattern of of asking people other successful trainers and nutritionists that aren't me what they do with their clients and members and what their top tips for success are so I'm trying to set this up for a couple of reasons really one is i'm trying to steal people's knowledge you are one of them (laughs) i want to know (laughs) i I want to know if you're doing anything with your clients that i haven't flipping thought of or seen or heard of or i'm not doing or making available to mine literally (laughs) and i also think for some of my actual six steps to slim members listen to this show and there's there's obviously people who aren't in the six steps to slim program listening to the show as well and they also might get um some i don't know Tools, tips, tactics, tricks from somebody that isn't me. (laughs) From somebody that isn't (laughs) me. And and we can get some well-rounded and positive perspectives. So you get great results with your clients. Yeah, you get great results with your clients. I know you do you would do other goals with clients as well. Like I know you you like working with athletes, and I know you do muscle building goals and you do strength goals and stuff like this. And I also do a little bit of this, and my members also have these goals too, but majority i am a weight management nutritionist and the majority of the six steps to slim program is geared towards weight management and health management i would say but weight management so i'm looking sir for your top three um ish or somewhere around there tips for fat loss or weight management success of some kind what do you think
1: okay um so i'm gonna be probably really dull and i'm just gonna back up your message because as you and i both know One of us isn't doing anything the other one isn't doing. Um,
0: Well, that's what I'm trying to find out. I want to know if you've (laughs) got any sneaky tricks, sir. I'm I'm trying to look up your sleeves,
1: (laughs) metaphorically. (laughs) You you, you can certainly look up them. I'll uh, I'll share them with you. So I'm going to be really dull with my first one. Um, But I feel like it's something that a lot of people still don't understand. Or some people are a lot of skeptical around. And I'm just going to go with, you've got to be in a calorie deficit.
0: Oh, okay, good.
1: It, it, it underpins everything this is the first thing that i talk to about with clients that, that, that have that goal which again is the majority of my clients i do have clients that are focusing on sports performance and building muscle but mm. i would say still 80 90 percent of my clients are just there to lose fat and yeah un- unless they understand calories in calories out and that they need to be in a calorie deficit it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. And and if it does happen, people aren't going to understand why it's happened. And therefore it's not setting them up for future success. And, um, and it's, it's the same in when I'm teaching personal trainers as well. Whenever I start the, the module, the first thing I talk about with people is energy balance. I show them the energy balance equation. I speak to them about the two sides of the energy in and the energy out. And that underpins everything else that I talk about. Um, So even though it is dull and even though it is drilled into people, there are still probably more people that believe this, uh, that don't believe this than do. Uh, So that's why I've kind of included that first off. And then hopefully my other points, will just kind of back that one up.
0: Well, I'm glad to say that I agree. I thought that was an excellent point, sir. At some point, I'm going to come on this podcast and I'm going to fucking ask a personal trainer or a nutritionist the top three fat loss, and some of them are just going to be stupid, I'm sure. But that is not one of them. <laughs> so I'm glad, say, I'm glad to say that I agree with you. Um, I don't know if it's dull. I don't know if you're downplaying it there because it's kind of... I, I try, and try to think about it as if it's like a tool for the job. Like if you say sort of energy balance is dull, to me that's like saying using a hammer is dull and it's kind of like yes i I kind of agree it's kind of boring to use a hammer but i'm not looking for the hammer to be exciting whether the hammer's like flipping painted pretty and pink and it flashes or not this is not really what i'm looking for i'm looking to just use it to get a job done really what i just want is like shelves on the wall or something yeah 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 so while I don't, know, I don't know if it's dull. I mean, if you've heard about it a thousand times, if people are thinking, oh, I knew it was calories. Well, if you think you've heard it a lot of times, imagine how many times we've goddamn heard it. Imagine yeah, exactly. how many times we... Exactly. But you are right as well, that a lot of people are still not following these principles, are they?
1: And people are still arguing it. People are still refuting this, and people are still saying that it's hormones instead.
0: Um... <laughs> yeah, insulin, carbs, yeah. flipping, yeah, exactly. yeah, your metabolism, exactly. whatever it might
1: be. <laughs> Whatever it is. um, The position of the stars. Exactly. As as though it's one or the other, as though it's either hormones or energy balance. It's not not both together.
0: (laughs) Which is a good point. It is somewhat levels on both together. You're exactly right. a,
1: A hormonal response will never supersede any calorie deficit for fat loss, will it?
0: no calorie deficit always wins over everything else yeah regardless of other variables if the calorie deficit's there your your body has to suck some of its energy out of its reserves otherwise you'd die so if, if you didn't die then fat loss worked if, if if it didn't work then at the first time you missed a sandwich you'd just drop dead in the street wouldn't you because you've only got you've only got really fat or food that we get sort of like long-term energy from from the body so if there's if you're not losing fat and you've not eaten much food, then how are you getting by? It's not from, you're not flipping absorbing energy from the ether, are we? So, so it's be my dreams. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I am, sir. <laughs> I'm searching for my golden ticket. <laughs> well, I,
1: I envy you, Connor. I envy your enthusiasm for life.
0: <laughs> you're exactly right, though. Calorie deficit works every time. Can I ask you a follow up question to this then? Of course what are some of the methods then you use to get the calorie deficit with your clients? And what could, what could we talk about in that area? Cause it's all right saying to people, and th- this is one of the things that gets me a little bit about coaches. And I understand sometimes why people are still confused. Cause I see a lot of people online putting, Oh, calorie deficit, there's calorie deficit that, but it's all right saying that to somebody, but that's like saying to a, saying to somebody who's not got much money, well, why don't you just earn more? It's like saying to somebody in poverty, uh, well, why don't you just save more money? That's like the same as saying to, <laughs> to saying to somebody who's struggling with the weight management, why don't you just have a calorie deficit? It's like, yeah, okay, that's level one. That is true. Yep. You do need to flip and say, get more money or save more money if you if you're in poverty and trying to get out, same as if you're trying to lose weight. But what are we actually going to do about it? And have you got what what kind of things do you do with your members or clients?
1: Well, this is kind of coming back to what you were saying before. It, it, it's it's tools in your toolbox, isn't it? It's having methods. Readily available to you, so that when you kind of conduct a consultation with a client, you can say, "Right, it seems that from what you've said, we're going to try this, basically, and that might be—I don't know—my Fitness Pal. I mean, in an ideal world, it'd be my Fitness Pal or some sort of tracking app where you set a calorie goal for a client, you show the client how to use this tracking app, and that, understand that's an point. Are, Use how to use this app. The calorie density of macronutrients, and what I mean by that is obviously macronutrients being fats, carbs, protein, and how many calories per gram they contain, so that they can then make informed choices to kind of work food into the amount of calories you've given them. So in an ideal world, like I said, you would explain the app to somebody, you would give them a calorie target, and you would say, look, here's the app, I'm going to keep checking in with you, you have 1,600 calories to play with daily. Um, or you have, I don't know, 13,000 over the week. If you have plans, that'd be, I guess, the most accurate way of doing it that I can think of.
0: Oh, interesting how you did a weekly calorie target there. I kind of like that one. Um, I like, I like flexible and variable targets for my members and clients. Um, the best, like I literally made a post on the Slum Society Facebook page, I think yesterday or the day before saying, while we do often with beginner members use sort of calorie tracking methods, like you're describing, we don't set people ever specific calorie targets or goals. We set people calorie target ranges or calorie deficit ranges. Like I never set anybody a specific calorie deficit target of a certain amount of hundreds per day, whether it's 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, nothing like this. We always set calorie deficit ranges just to make it easier for people, um, just because they're not dieting robots and they can't hit the same every day, can they? So if I set a specific yeah. target, no matter what number I give it them, they'll fail. Um, yeah. So I loved your point there. Then can I ask you another another follow up question to that? Then <laughs> ask, ask, ask as many as you want, Connor. Your All podcast. right, good, <laughs> good. I'll just continue on forward then. Uh, Um, this might just be me looking into the semantics of things but you said in an ideal world it'd be some kind of calorie tracking or measurement management method something like that why did you say in an ideal world it'd be that in your opinion is that the best way to go for people is that what you're
1: saying um i think just for accuracy i mean you're never going to get it 100% unless you are Weighing out foods and tracking them on the app. It's never going to be 100%. Not that it needs to be 100%. um, But I think in terms of accuracy, um, I think MyFitnessPal, or like I said, some sort of similar app is, I guess, as close to the gold standard as you're going to get. Um, And like you said, the, the ranges is a good idea. I do a similar thing where I say, look, we're going for about this amount, but I like your ranges. Idea. Yeah. I might steal that. Um, I never, I never put too much emphasis on you need to hit this amount because th- the amount that I would ever give them is enough of a deficit that even if they went over by 200, at the end of the week, they'd still be in a deficit. So I kind of yeah, drill that in that as well. That makes perfect but sense. I, but, but I like your range. I might steal that.
0: Yeah, that's exactly why I do it. Because I'm trying to get across the same thing that you're trying to get across to people. That while it would be good, for example, if you got a five or six hundred deficit or seven eight hundred, depending on how much weight you've got to lose, that'd be nice. Sometimes you're also just a human, aren't you? And sometimes you just got to eat some stuff, or sometimes you're hungry or you're stressed. And a two or three hundred deficit is still good. There's nobody, you yeah. nobody, nobody should turn their nose up at a flipping two hundred deficit per day. That's good. You're still losing. That's better than what most people are doing, isn't it? Yeah. So I give Correct. people. Usually my members get a calorie deficit range of something like zero and then somewhere up to about 750, depending on how much weight they've got to lose, which usually puts people in a calorie range of eating of somewhere like 12 to 1400 up to around 2000 per day. And then they just kind of float between that 2000 being their rough calorie maintenance level. They they just float somewhere between maintenance and below. And some days, yeah, if they, if they have good deficits and they're not very hungry and they can get it into those low ranges of calorie intake, flipping good, power on, my dear. But some days it's just tough, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely it is. But I think that's a really good idea. It gives people that flexibility then, doesn't it, if they've got any plans. I mean, not that anybody has any plans at the moment, but in, <laughs> in, a, in a normal world where we're eating out quite a lot or we want to go out with friends or we're going out for a walk with friends who want to go in the cafe afterwards or to have that little bit more calories just to play with uh, gives you that flexibility. And again, just kind of makes you feel that you're not dieting at all, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Quite often my members say that they don't feel like they're on a diet and it's kind of, cause they're not, they're more like just making healthier choices overall on average. It's, it's longer. It, it doesn't sound as sexy as saying, "Oh, I'm, <laughs> you know, it's a longer thing to describe, but it's more realistic and it's more true. You're right. And then people actually, while they might in the short term lose weight slower over a, a longer period of time, they actually lose weight better and more and keep it off for longer. And it goes better if you have a more flexible, less restricted approach. Otherwise, the, the opposite approach to that would be something like the Cambridge diet, where they just go, you know, that food thing you like? Canceled. <laughs> you're, you're, on these, you're on these bars now. 500 calories a day only, 600 calories a day only. You only have bars and shakes, food, food, never again. The, the, the ultimate low calorie, high restriction diet sort of thing. Yeah, people on those, they lose flipping a stone a month every month while you starve yourself to death. But then it's not the most sustainable or healthy necessarily way to go about things. And people often find that works well in the short term, but then struggle long term. If you want it to go better in the long term, it's better to just use more reasonable and realistic methods.
1: You're right. You're right. I mean, for the most part, um, people want sustainable methods. There is still a case to be made for more aggressive dieting in some cases. Um, I yep, would agreed. Um, yeah, agreed.
0: To- yeah, completely agree.
1: For, for an example, I guess, where people have a lot of weight to lose and they need to lose it quickly for medical yep. reasons um, or, so, or something like that, or they've got a hell of a lot to, weight to lose and if we put them on yeah. a very small deficit, they'd be losing weight for the rest of their lives. Um, so yeah, like you said, sometimes it's for it's,
0: motivation as well.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Get get quick buying. Um,
0: yeah, 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 exactly. Because, yeah. yeah, They want good results fast based on what they're doing, don't they? This is also a real thing.
1: You, you're right. And I mean, I, th- I think the NHS have just brought in some sort of, I, th- I think is it under a 1,000 calorie a day di- diet? Yeah,
0: um, yeah. They do these the- kind of things, yeah. 800 calorie a day diets for like diabetes and stuff.
1: And there, there are some good studies showing it's, um, showing its benefit on what they're aiming for it to benefit, and longer term as well, because as long as there's a plan from that, because obviously they're not going to be on 800 calories the rest of their life, as long as they're that's being educated very good alongside that.
0: Yeah, that's the game, isn't it? It's the, do, yeah, it? it's the follow-up. Yeah, it's the follow-up plan that's the most important.
1: Um, as long as they know what they're going to do afterwards and they have that in place, then I think it's okay. But like you said, for 99.9% of people, sustainability has got to be the key and flexibility has got to be the key. People have to feel like they're barely dieting and they're just making their own better choices around food.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. And quite a lot of my members, if they want to, they've got available to them the options to do aggressive dieting methods. We can also take people's calorie intake low i just st- i still don't agree with like i gave with the cambridge example i still don't agree with like supplements only and total food replacement diets regardless i think if you're going to eat 800 calories at least eat 800 calories and try and get some protein and veg in fucking hell let's just let's 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 not just go whole hog at it if you even if you're going to eat 500 calories a day or something 500 calories can be a decent amount of veg get it in you yeah. you're actually getting your vitamins and minerals Yeah, all this kind of business Think there's better ways to go about things so yeah i agree um Taking calorie intakes lower for people's not necessarily unhealthier or less effective either. No, completely agree. It's, there's still variables on how you go about things though as well, isn't
1: there? There's a, there's a time and a place. And like you said, you've always got to focus on a food first approach, haven't you? You don't want to be drinking your calories if you're on 800 calories. You want as much volume as is humanly possible. Otherwise, you might kill someone.
0: And then <laughs> through hunger, you might actually eat them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I, liked, I liked what you said about the follow-up plan as well. Like my, my program has probably, I'm just going to average this out and kind of guess, but I'm going to say one third of the Six Steps to Slim program is about the weight loss and two thirds of it is about the weight maintenance after out of my six steps to slim that I've got, only the first step really is about the weight loss. The other five steps to slim are about weight management and maintenance after and at the end, because I'm trying to get people, yes, they can lose weight quick or they can lose weight slow. We can adjust the calorie intake to whatever. It's perfectly fine. But it's like you said, it's what comes after that counts. So we have a we have a free follow up plan where everybody who achieves their weight loss goal they get free access to the group and then to this follow up plan after where i like people to keep working on the weight management and maintenance with us for free for the roughly the same amount of months as stones that they've lost just as like an average and some people come to us and they lose 8 stone 10 stone then yep it's a, it's a good idea in my opinion to keep to have a follow up plan that firstly scales with the amount of weight that you've lost. Because if somebody's only lost a stone, how hard is it gonna be for them to keep that off? Not as hard as somebody who's lost five stone or 10 stone because the changes to achieve that were smaller. The, the habit changes that they've had to make have been a lesser due to a smaller weight loss. So they've had to make smaller changes so it won't be as hard. If somebody's lost flipping 10 stone, they've changed a lot of things. They don't walk the same, they don't look the same, they don't buy the same clothes, they don't eat the same places. Sometimes they don't even have the same friends. <laughs> so like, <this> is wild. <laughs> often. It's often. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people join flipping running clubs and sports clubs and they end up with different friends and people they've never even met. And it's just absolutely flipping wild. These people are not the same at the end. And you can change. You can change to one way. And that's good. It take, Like if you're losing the weight and you're doing all this positive stuff, but keeping it going. That's the second part of the game, isn't it? So we focus a lot. Literally, I, I try and I'm, I'm talking to people about what they're going to do after they achieve their goal, right at the flipping start, literally, <laughs> and all the way through. They've got to know what's
1: coming, like you said. It, it's probably the hardest part. The maintenance phase is probably the hardest bit because all of a sudden, I mean, some people have got a lifetime of—I don't want to say bad habits, but certainly habits that lead them to gain weight. And then, mm. obviously, we we in our role work on changing these bad habits, I guess, and and creating new habits around, like I said, sustainability and making better choices around food and not overly restricting. Still having having a lot of the foods that you enjoy eating that maybe they used to eat in excess, but then all of a sudden, if we go from a deficit back up to maintenance, we have more calories to eat these again, I don't want to say bad foods, but certainly highly palatable high-calorie foods that maybe we would quite easily <laughs> overeat and yeah. all of a sudden we have these extra calories to spend on this food and it's quite easy to slip back into these bad habits and that's where these habits that we've built really come into play and like I said this is where this plan that that, that certainly you have where you, you do the same amount of months after stones you've lost comes into play because people need that support
0: They do and I'll tell you another thing sir I'll tell you how we try and get people to have the best possible chance of weight maintenance and management at the end is I try and teach people and we, we have people do two, they learn two ways of eating on our program at the same time throughout the program. So no matter what plan you go to, including mine or, or any, any other, if it's a successful plan, it works on calorie deficit, like you said, didn't it? Yep. But the method that the method that they use to achieve the calorie deficit can differ wildly. Like some are low carb, some are meal plan, some are Atkins, some are Cambridge, some of, you know, any plan, even calorie counting, yeah. any plan. They all, they all do calorie any, deficit. Any but they all do. Yeah, any any method, same principles behind the method. They, all, they, they they're using the same tool, sort of thing. So I'm not looking to just teach people when they join my program another way of eating low calories because they've already tried that 15 times. They've already tried low carb. They've tried low fat. They've tried Atkins. They've tried Jenny Craig. They've tried Flippin'. You name it. Skinny Watchers, Weight World, all of them. (laughs) They've they've tried Flippin'. Yeah, they've tried all these ways of low calorie eating, and none of them have stuck, have they? So I'm not trying to just teach people another way of low calorie eating when they come to my program. I'm also got, trying to teach them a, a weight maintenance and management way of eating. So what we do is, you know, like I said, with the calorie deficit ranges and stuff like this, we change it over time. So say somebody's got ten stone to lose. I'm just using round numbers when they come to join my program. We'll we'll do a calorie deficit range or varying for each person because i stay in touch with them continually and we'll we'll just talk about it as it goes along but let's say they lose one to three stone in in a calorie deficit then after that we'll do a little quote-unquote diet break And we'll put in a a period of specific weight maintenance so that they can get their energy levels back up, they can eat a little bit more food, they'll sleep better, they can have a rest from the diet, they can stop and smell the roses. And I'm also trying to get them to understand and learn during this period, not what low calorie counting, low calorie aim calorie counting looks like and what foods they have to eat, but medium. And maintenance calorie intake has to look like. So, so they'll so lose a st- lose a stone, two, three stone, whatever they can handle or want to. And then we might do, again, differing for each person, one week maybe, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe a month if they want to. So people like it of specific weight maintenance eating. Um and I'll be—I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I calculate people's weight maintenance as lower than it actually is on purpose, even though I do tell people this. So when when they're eating around that maintenance, it's usually a small deficit. Because I don't account for people's like step count or exercise or anything, of which some people do do some. So some people still lose a tiny bit of weight. But basically, we eat more calories on purpose. I'm trying to teach people how they're going to be eating after the diet, and then we go back into another period of weight loss. And then whenever they get too much quote unquote diet fatigue or they start to feel shitty about it. They're getting too much hunger or cravings or stressed with it or something, or the sound of my voice is becoming awful and irritable. Then they need to take a break, don't they? Cause dieting is flipping difficult. So then they'll take another one week, two weeks, three weeks off or something like that. Eating around maintenance calories on purpose, still tracking it. Yes. Maybe eating some more snacks. Yes. Maybe having a dessert. Yes. Maybe ordering a takeaway, but still tracking it mindfully, learning how to actually eat without swinging from extremes of, oh my God, I'm on low calories. And then as soon as you're not managing your food, you're just blasting way back over and getting weight back. So we're learning weight maintenance and weight management eating. And then when people get to the, their actual weight loss target, right at the end, they brought all the weight down. They've kind of done a period of weight loss, a period of weight, maintain a period of weight loss, a period of weight, maintain a period of weight loss, a period of weight, maintain. Then the last period of weight loss then they just switch back to another period of weight maintain, but this one doesn't end. And they've already been kind of prepared and prepped and practiced for this, if that makes sense, when they arrive at the actual goal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a good way of doing it. I think if you look at any sort of case study on on fat loss as well, they all incorporate some sort of diet break. Um, I certainly do. And I know that, like I said, obviously you do, but people like, um, Carbon Diet Coach by Lane Norton. I know that they incorporate diet breaks because there are numerous mechanisms other than just learning how to eat at maintenance that come into play when you go back up to maintenance. I mean, the, the main one I can think of is um, obviously when you drop into a deficit. I can think of one study off the top of my head where, where they found a 54% drop in lectin levels on the first yeah, week that's of dieting. True. Um, yep. So eating back up at maintenance and especially getting enough carbs in there increases that back up. Um, yeah, there's yeah, also grelin. Mulch-
0: there's hunger hormone increases, there? there's growth hormone drop, there's testosterone drop, there's flipping hormonal changes to contend with. You're right.
1: Numerous reasons not to be in a deficit for long periods of time and to go back up to maintenance. Other than, like I said, the main reason that you do it, which is teaching people to eat at maintenance because eventually that's what they're going to be doing for the rest of their lives. Or there or thereabouts. Obviously, we're going to have, like you said, a certain amount of sort of adaptive thermogenesis. People, if they're in a slight surplus, your body will probably just do slightly more. And if you're not eating quite enough, like you said, you put people slightly under maintenance, your body will tend to just be a little bit lazier. And therefore, that lower maintenance probably will end up being maintenance, won't it?
0: Yeah, you're exactly right and I've also seen those studies as well about people who take diet breaks can get just as good or sometimes better results so like there was that famous the matador study and stuff like that um that came out about diet breaks and stuff like that and I feel quite proud of myself you know because I've been using this kind of method and it does change a lot depending on how much weight somebody's got to lose like if somebody's only got 2 or 3 stone to lose the pattern of diet breaks doesn't look like the one that I just described it's completely different but I'll- I'll not go into it, but I've been using this method for a long, long time, kind of just feeling that it was the right idea to do. And now I also notice, like you, other people doing it as well. Smart people who are doing the right things and studies coming out confirming what I already thought was the best idea. (laughs) And I thought, yes, yes. Fucking knew it because I've, <laughs> I've been doing this, I've been doing it like this for ages, and I kind of got it from the bodybuilding world, which I know myself and you both used to be a fan of. Um, I don't know if you still are, but I did when I was younger. Um, anyway, not so much these days, but um, they do refeed sort of, quote-unquote, or carb up days, don't they, quote-unquote, do. to get their energy. Cause, yeah, because these people need to exercise and train, and so they, even like Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was going for, like, his competitions and trying to be the most jackman in the world, he wasn't flipping starving himself continuously. He would still eat carbs and try and fuel his muscles up so he felt good and he could exercise and then that would allow him to do better overall and longer. And you think, yes, this makes sense, yes.
1: <laughs> well, you're quite right. I mean, in the bodybuilding world, there's a lot of- stupid things that go off but equally there are a lot of things that people do that that studies don't back up yet but have done over time like i said with diet breaks bodybuilders have been doing that forever but science hasn't backed it up until maybe five years ago and i'm sure there are i'm sure there are a number of things that that people like bodybuilders are doing on a routine basis that they've just learned from generation to generation that science doesn't back up yet but they know works
0: yeah, if you watch Flipping Pumping Iron on <laughs> Netflix, Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary from I don't even know when. Um, of him like something. Is it? Yeah, with him training for a Flipping competition. The, the, the exercises he uses and the gym equipment, it's basically identical to the same exercises and equipment that we use today, um, isn't it? There's not but, really much that's changed. The, science might have proved it that they that they all actually yeah they were actually doing the right things don't you know
1: right <laughs> well, like, yeah, no shit look at him <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> thank, you. thank you science now now we understand um, but yeah like said, we we know more about volume now and we know about how often we're supposed to train muscle groups for recovery etc cetera, etc cetera. But they were doing it anyway, weren't they? I mean, it's worked for them. We, we understand more now, but it was clearly working for them anyway.
0: You're absolutely right, sir. I'm thinking, you know, because we're flipping 25 minutes into the show and we've only done tip number one. <laughs> I feel like we should go on to the next one. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think you might be right, Connor. I think you might be right. All right. Uh, Hit us with you your might...
0: second top tip then.
1: Yeah. Uh... Don't prioritize the minutiae. Don't prioritize the smaller details. Again, it kind of ties into calorie deficit. And I guess it takes me back to my own experience and the experience I see with clients every single day. But I remember back as a, I don't know, as maybe a 17, 18 year old, maybe even younger, eating McDonald's daily to Double cheeseburgers, five <laughs> chicken selects that we used to have daily. I also um, used to. I remember
0: these days. I also used to do that. It wasn't a good idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a good idea. But this is just to emphasise how poor my diet was at the time. So I was, I was doing that, having that pretty much daily after training, and then I was worrying about whether I should have a protein shake before or after training, or whether I should drink it with <laughs> or without, with or without milk, and. <laughs> I look back now and obviously I think how how stupid how 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 could I think that but then you see it with clients and the the articles that come out and the misinformation that comes out certainly fuels this um, so again it's I, I always refer people back to I suppose it's got a few different names but the pyramid of nutritional importance or nutrition hierarchy or oh lovely yes is,
0: lovely um, yes
1: I always refer people back to that, and obviously we we focus on primarily what's at the base of the pyramid, and then we work up to the top and until you've got the the lower section nailed down, there's no point in moving up the pyramid and right at the bottom of the pyramid is calories or energy balance or whatever you want to call it until you've got those in check, there's no point in even really looking at setting. micro micro micronutrition goals or looking at meal timing and frequency or supplements because ultimately we we need to find a method of getting people to i don't know eat more if they need to gain weight or eat the right amount if they're at maintenance or if they're wanting to lose weight obviously as we keep nailing in they need to be in a calorie deficit so it's I, i guess it's not focusing on the small details in absence of the things that actually matter
0: Oh, excellent point and excellent speech. So don't sweat the small stuff we're saying on flipping point number two. I loved it and I liked how you listed a lot of things that make no difference as well. Because I what you said on your first point was calorie deficit is number one. And people think, all right, that makes sense. They agree, or hopefully they do. And then they, they think, all right, yeah, my fitness pal, I'll get that on my phone. And then when they get it on their phone and they start tracking their calories, what else does it show you on my fitness pal? everything else that you don't flip in need. Like people start worrying about, oh, what, what should my fat to carb ratio be? And it's like, <laughs> Oh my Lord, this is, this literally makes not even 1% difference. Watch how many grams of fiber should I be tracking and having? Oh my God, don't do that. Don't track your flipping fiber. What about sh- what, what? my fitness pal is telling me I'm having too many grams of sugar per day. I tell people literally to go into the, my fitness pal app and turn off the setting where my fitness pal gives you flipping quote unquote advice because it's a liar and a fool.
1: <laughs> that I, I, I do exactly the same thing. I've been over my quarter for sugar and salt for the past, I don't know, uh, 10 years at least.
0: <laughs> and you were right about meal timing, meal frequency, supplements, saturated fats, how much green tea you're drinking. I don't even know what everything else. Oh my Lord um i teach people through the six steps to slim that your top tools for fat loss are like you said number one calorie deficit managing calorie intake that basically boils down to as well uh, number two walking more number three exercising number four increasing protein intake in that literal order of effectiveness those are your tools shaboom boom 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 that you can actually use. None of those things we just listed turns up on the, you know, my, my six steps to slim education system. If people listen to the full thing, it's 14 and a quarter hours long and carbs comes up in it never <laughs> it, it literally it might come up like in passing when talking about other topics you know but it there's no, there's no part about how many carbs you should eat good carbs versus bad carbs low gi high gi gl any of this bullshit any added sugars versus normal sugars what about fruit because it, it, it takes me 14 and a quarter hours to tell people all the good stuff that they need to know never mind chatting about all the stuff we don't need to know oh my exactly. god exactly
1: with with fat loss clients, I mean, who needs to focus on this? Like I said, you've got to you've got to prioritise what's important. Um, I like that you that you labelled it as "Don't sweat the small stuff," seeing as that's one of the uh, rules on Zombieland. So I like that rule. <laughs> I don't things, know what that is,
0: Zombieland. What is that? Sorry.
1: You've never seen the film Zombieland?
0: Oh, film. Well, c- clearly at my surprise at you telling me that that's a film, I'm gonna have to. i have to guess no. Although, or I, or if I have, I've severely forgotten. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Add, add it to the film list. Gonna add All right, I will do.
0: I've got a film list on my phone. I will add it to the list.
1: <laughs> and then you can, you can, you, it, it'll come up what I've just said, and you'll be like, oh my god, that's what Liam said. <laughs> hey, All right then.
0: Yeah. All right, then. So don't sweat the small stuff. I like that one. So focus on the big rocks of effectiveness. Um, I feel like that's, that's one of our it. important jobs as personal trainers and coaches as well is to get people a good reward for the work that they put in, you know, a good work to reward ratio, this kind of thing. Yeah. And if you if you flip in counting grams of fiber, and like you said, timing your protein intake and stuff, it's like the amount of stress, this is adding on to people's life for the actual physical reward that it's bringing is just negligible isn't it it's just negligible
1: yeah or in training i mean worrying about how many ab exercises you're doing but not hitting the amount of days of training that we've agreed that you're going to do it's like
0: yeah okay yeah the same the same principles apply to exercise don't they same yeah
1: yeah of course they do and i mean like i said that's it's not as important as neat as as your steps but it's certainly very important training i would argue and It it carries over to that because that's, like you said, one one of the pillars of fat loss, I guess, planned exercise. um, Again, prioritizing what matters there, actually hit the amount of workouts that you said you're going to do and working at the right intensity. Um, But, yeah, like you said, with, with the nutrition side of things, with the pyramid of nutritional hierarchy, above that there are things that you can play around with to get people to eat less calories. So you can play around with the macros, like you said, eat more protein got a higher thermic effect of food higher thermic effect of food so you are burning a lot of calories by eating it it's the most filling of all the macronutrients and it helps you recover so i mean you can focus on the things above calories in the pyramid as long as they are helping you achieve what you said you're going to achieve so the meal timing and frequency if somebody wants to do intermittent fasting for example then meal timing and frequency becomes important all of a sudden. But again, that's something you need to speak to your coach about or speak to Connor about if you're working with uh, Slim Society.
0: Yeah, people can choose intermittent fasting on our program if they want to. That is one of the methods that pops up of in, in the Six Steps to Slim Education system as ways of success. Intermittent fasting is a safe and effective diet. It's basically just skipping breakfast, isn't it? Um, it's basically what a lot of people do anyway, isn't it? That's why we use it, yeah, because a lot of people are not natural breakfast eaters anyway. And then they're saying to me, oh, I'm trying to eat breakfast in the morning, but I just don't like it or want to. And they're like, why are you trying to consume extra calories? Why are you forcing yourself to when the idea is we're trying to keep down the calories? How about just don't then? And they're like, really? But what about the Kellogg's advert that says that I need to? I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) 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 It's just an advert, God. It's just an advert. (laughs) Breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. It's just a a slogan. (laughs) fucking anyway um anyway yeah so what what do we think about number three then sir what do we think about number number three three, again
1: i guess it kind of ties in again i guess they all kind of work together don't they but just not assigning a moral value to foods or food groups not saying that this food is good, this food is bad. I mean, there are certainly really? some foods that I would encourage that people limit in an energy deficit, and there are some foods that I would encourage that some people prioritise, but nothing's off limits, and no foods exist in a vacuum, do they? Should you eat a five-pack of cookies when you're consuming 1,500 calories a day? Probably not, for the nutritional value, for the volume, for the micronutrients, for how filling it is, for the thermic effect of food? Probably not, but Am I saying it's completely off top, off uh, out of bounds? Absolutely not. Um, so, again, not labeling foods as good or bad because, like I said, there, there are certainly some things you should limit, but there, there's nothing you should definitely avoid.
0: Love that. So, a nice balanced approach and a nice balanced mindset. I also teach my members the exact same thing yeah it's not good or bad food it's a flipping inanimate object isn't it it's not got moral value it it depends who it it depends who we're talking about and what they're using it for like if someone's got type 2 diabetes five pack of cookies probably not the greatest thing like you said probably exacerbating it but what if somebody's got low blood sugar then you could give that person some cookie then that'd be okay wouldn't it yeah it's it's there's there's no good or bad is it like even sugar people think oh my god sugar yeah yeah okay if you're having too many calories and too much sugar and it's causing you issues bad if you're an athlete or somebody burning a lot of sugar or a type 1 diabetic with low blood sugar if you don't give them sugar they'll die so how can it be bad not in all situations is it so
1: that's it i mean go on say.
0: no 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 please
1: I was going to say, if you're on six thousand calories a day, good luck hitting your calorie target on chicken and vegetables alone. It's you're not going to get what what you consider good foods. It's not going to your entire diet isn't going to be made up of good foods because you might hit I don't know a two three thousand calories if you're lucky with what you would consider to be good foods. I'm doing the kind of rabbit ears in uh, in my living room. Um, yeah. But like I said, it's, it, it's completely dependent upon the person, like you said. It's, you, you've got to take it on a case-by-case on case basis, I guess.
0: Yeah, like, like uh, what did you say? Something, something along the lines of no food exists in a vacuum or something like this. It's everything in context, isn't it? So is, yeah. is, is it bad if you order a takeaway? Well, it, it kind of depends, doesn't it, on what your goals are, <laughs> what, what kind of takeaway you order, how many takeaways have you ordered recently? Like if it's the second one today, probably not the best. <laughs> if it's been once, in a while, <laughs> oh no, now we can talk. Now not so yeah. bad. So yeah, it flipping depends, isn't it? There's nothing there's nothing necessarily good or bad. It's just context and what you use it for. And I don't tell people to only just eat a pure health quote unquote what you'd consider healthy diet or foods either. I I, I try and teach people like you're suggesting a balanced approach where they've got two main enemies that will occur on their fat loss journey and that they'll come rearing their ugly heads. One of them's hunger. The other one's cravings. And if you eat too healthy, if you just eat only healthy foods, you'll have very low levels of hunger for like the reasons you said, satiation, good protein, good food volume, good fibre intake, so digestion, all, all that kind of business, yeah, that'll be great. But if you just eat healthy, your cravings and your enjoyment of your, your actual food and stuff like this, your enjoyment will go down and your cravings will go crazy. And it will just build and build and build and build until most people binge. Whereas if they only eat junk food, then their cravings will be very low. Like you said, if you went on the cookie diet or like the flipping Pop-Tart and protein shake diet or something like this, your cravings might be very low because you might be eating these foods that you like the taste of all the time, but your hunger will be going wild and your energy levels will be poor and your probably guts won't be very happy at you and all this kind of business. So it's, it's definitely a balance between both of these things, isn't it?
1: It is, but you can, you can see where these things come from. I mean, we, we've been there ourselves. I mean, I, I certainly have. And we kind of just have blinkers on now. We just kind of ignore the, the shit in the industry. But you can kind of see this. I saw this just this morning on Instagram, and it was twenty foods that you should avoid, or five foods that are bad for your health. And mm. if, if you aren't educated around these things, it's quite easy to buy into this stuff because the industry is so poorly regulated that anybody can write an article about anything. And even in what you would, what some people had. I don't know, I guess, call a, a reputable magazine or something like that, something like Men's Health or Women's Health. Anybody can really write in those things. As long as they've written articles before and you can understand what they're saying, you, you can write about pretty much anything you want. Um, and that's why we see these things. We see these foods you should avoid on in a calorie deficit or five foods that are bad for your health or in the Daily Mail, don't eat red meat and then next week, oh, eating red meat is absolutely fine or avoid dairy or don't eat sugar because she'll die at, like, 30 years old. And it's like, well, completely, <laughs> out, com- completely out of context. And none of these readers bother to actually look at the studies. They just believe what the headline is.
0: Yeah, that's true. People do do headline checking. Yeah, And that is one of the problems with content production, I guess, isn't it? Like if somebody on YouTube stands there in a nice setting, talking in a voice that sounds reputable, and they they, they sound smart when they say things, and there's no one there to say, eh, actually, you know, like, for example, food, food documentaries on Netflix. When you watch yep. them, they're convincing, because there's nobody saying, if I'm watching it, I'm like, wait a minute, pause it. What the fuck are they talking about? That is not
1: true. <laughs> I don't even
0: know. Like you're saying, fight when you said, oh, five foods that are bad for your health, which I, w- I would say, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> let's let's talk about these foods specifically. And then, well, let me tell you why that's not the case. But when there's nobody there to put a, a, across the opposing argument, somebody can just st- stand there or sit there or talk to you if it's a podcast or something, sounding smart and sounding like they know what they talk about. And if it's if it's not your personal sort of topic of expertise, if you don't know anything about this subject... Like for example, I ask, my, my sister is a qualified counsellor, and I I was asking her questions about counselling the other day because because I don't know anything about it. So you know, if a counsellor says something to my clients, I don't know enough about counselling to know whether that's right or wrong, because my it's not my area of expertise let's say you know like therapy and stuff like this i don't know what the correct practices and principles are so if if a therapist says something i have absolutely no idea whether it's right or wrong whereas in nutrition or exercise that's not true even in even in let's say physiotherapy and maybe even maybe even ancient history um i am not a physiotherapist or a flipping historian but i do know enough about physiotherapy and ancient history to be able to smell bullshit I can I can I can sniff and think, wait a second, this smells funny. Um <laughs> Whereas an a an average person might not know enough about nutrition to be able to, like you said, if they come across an article online or a video on YouTube of somebody flipping sounding intelligent or looking in good shape. Like, there's loads of people on YouTube who are in great shape, but they just chat shit, don't they? They've just got the, they've just got the worst advice ever, like things that don't even make sense, but because they're in good shape and they're a good-looking person, they've got good camera quality, people don't know what's real and what's not real, I guess. That, that's it. And
1: um, often on the documentaries, they get people in that either have a PhD or they're medical doctors, and therefore people think, who the hell am I to question these people? Well, in actual fact, I mean, if you do a PhD, you're very clever on one very specific topic. Um, and if you are, I don't know, a doctor of some kind, an actual medical doctor or a GP or something like that, the cover nutrition, basically not all. Again, they're very clever people on the whole, much smarter than I am, because I know nothing about anything that they know about. They, they've been in education much longer than I have. But with regards to nutrition, they do basically nothing. Um, so these people aren't to be listened to, but then people see them on these documentaries, Dr. So-and-so, or somebody PhD, and they think, well, they must be, they must be an expert at this topic and therefore I'll listen to them. Um, which I know is it's wild, isn't it? The case.
0: it? It can be tricky with university. You're exactly right. Like I know people that have got nutrition master's degrees that don't know anything about nutrition because they did flip in... I'm going to make this up, let's say, English as an undergraduate, and then they've switched to a master's degree, done like a one-year's master's degree where they've done a study of some kind, like downloaded some data off the internet and analysed it, and then flipping come to a conclusion and were hey, you've got a master's degree in nutrition. And these these people couldn't flipping coach a cucumber. If they are in a consultation, they'd probably just shit themselves and cry. If somebody started crying to them, which happens to me in consultations all the time, because people talk to me about, they're flipping lifelong struggles and things like this people people don't sometimes do get quite upset that's a delicate situation these people will not have a clue what to do they've never uh. even had a single client and they don't know they've, they've been learning about nutrition for one year yet they've got a master's degree I'm like uh, which is why one of the first things I said to you was, te- was not and I know I already know about your flipping master's degree in your university studies and your level fucking 19 whatever it was <laughs> I already know about it but that that's less interesting to me than the fact that you've been boots on the ground flipping 40 50 sessions a week personal personal trainer with actual real clients and i've actually seen these people getting good results and people recommending you as a great personal trainer not only for getting them good results but also being flipping personable and being Intelligent in your actual topic and caring and stuff like this. This is more important to me. This is more important to me than than you putting a list of letters after your name, sir.
1: <laughs> um, and you're quite right. It should be more important to more people. I mean, like I've said, I'm, I'm doing these qualifications. I'm going through these qualifications. I'm doing a master's, and by doing this master's, I realise how little it actually means from knowing the people on the course and how little a lot of them know about about the topics that we're talking about. And then I might speak to, I don't know, a client, for example, that's been working with me for a while that I've spoke to quite a lot about nutrition, or somebody with no formal qualifications, and they know a hell of a lot more. The the kind of formal education side of things means very little at all. Um, And if I didn't need them to progress in my career, I certainly wouldn't have done them, because there's hardly any occasions where I learn anything new. And um, I'd certainly learn a hell of a lot more by, I don't know, working alongside someone who's done this job for a long time. Um, and that would be a hell of a lot more important to me. Um, So I wish that I didn't have to do these qualifications because by doing them, you realize how little they actually matter.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you, you just need you need actual legitimate proof, <laughs> don't you? That's like what <laughs> you qualifications do, you do, you are. Do. It's not just you. Say, like, if, if somebody says, why should I believe you, you, you don't have to say just, like, because. <laughs> you, can say, you, can, you, you can say, well, look at all these letters, eh? <laughs> look at all these bad boy qualifications. Which is, which it's is also, it's also a real thing, isn't it? Like, if you want to work with sports teams or something like this, they... It's not that they wouldn't necessarily believe someone if they didn't have the qualifications, or I don't think they're necessarily just assuming that people without those specific qualifications don't know the right things, but they just want some legitimate backup. They just want some proof,
1: <laughs> don't they? they do. And to get the accreditation that I need, I need the Masters. So to get the accreditation I need to do the job that I want to do, I need to have that ed- level of education. Otherwise, I just can't get that accreditation. Um, Make, so it makes a, sense, it's a, to... it's, a it's a necessary evil for me, I'm afraid. Um, not that I'm not enjoying it, I'm enjoying it immensely. Um, but would I rather not do it? Absolutely.
0: Well, everybody knows that flipping school is hard, and qualifications are just not easy, are they? It's just even if you like the subject, that it doesn't mean it's easy. It's just not to like read all those studies and write all the essays and all the feedback and just all the time it takes and all the brain power and stuff. It doesn't matter how much you like the subject. I don't, I don't know many people that find it easy in general to do these type of things. And I know you're plowing on with it, and you've been doing a million other things at the same time as well, while wow you've got all that going on it's very impressive sir well thank you very
1: much thank you very much
0: what do you think then top three tips then you've done um calorie deficit was number one yeah
1: absolutely Yep.
0: Yeah. don't sweat the small stuff was number I like. two i can't remember your exact wording that was my wording um, i think you said that don't focus the... on the minutiae
1: yeah yours is better i like don't sweat the small stuff
0: um and what was your exact wording for the third one
1: uh don't assign a moral value to foods or food oh, yeah.
0: no good or bad foods wasn't it yeah
1: um that's that's I the mean, one sir to... i could have come up with a list of about 10 um but these are certainly the ones that i often drill into clients and keep going over and over and over again but i could have gone i could have done neat which you do i could have done the step counting i could have done Thermic effective food I could have done, which diet's are best. You could, you could have done anything, couldn't you? But they're the kind of three that I determine to be, the, I guess, the most important.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that, sir. That's why my program's called The Six Steps to Slim and not Calorie Counting to Slim, because it is about calorie <laughs> deficit and stuff like that. But there's, there's more to it than just that one piece of the puzzle, isn't there? There absolutely is. There absolutely, and it's catchier. Yeah, it sounds cute, doesn't it? <laughs> that's what I—that's uh, what I say to people. These I say I, I teach people even that the the rules and well, it's not even really rules, but the principles and practices, let's say, of the six steps of slim program are not invented by me. Like the order of effectiveness of the tools that you've got to use and what you can pick from and the changes that you can make, none of these are invented by me. I did. Put them in an order and call it Slim Society Six Steps to Slim because I like alliteration. <laughs> but, so, so it sounds nice, but yeah, it's not. It's not my actual opinion. It's actual. It's real. It's real hard science and real. Well,
1: it's, it's, real it, stuff. It, ma- hard,
0: real stuff made for real people.
1: It's hard facts that you've dressed up nicely, and it works.
0: Thank Isn't you, it? sir. That's yeah, I put, I put a little it, it, cute hat and coat on it. I do a nice little presentation and here we go. We're off to the races. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and it works. People, people benefit from it and that's all that matters.
0: Click my heels and then off we go. Tally ho and hooray. <laughs> Isn't it? I've seen you
1: do it. I've seen, I've seen you do it.
0: <laughs> I appreciate your time today then, sir. We're exactly on one hour and I feel like that's a good place to summarize. What do you think? Was there anything else you wanted that's to say?
1: Nothing else I wanted to say, but thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, Amazing
0: sir if you want to do it again message me. I literally blast out two or three of these podcasts per week on it goes to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, Podbean. It's live on Stereo right now for anybody that like me, might be listening live. Um I blast out two or three per week and if nobody wants to talk to me, I just talk to myself. Literally I just do solo shows. <laughs> so if you ever if you ever want to if you ever want to come on again sir, please message me if you've got a topic to talk about. It'd be great.
1: I definitely will. I definitely will. But thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Liam, for your time. And thank you for listening, everybody. We'll speak to you and we'll see you again soon.